This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone here in the United States and around the world. Some good news. We broke through 228,000 subscribers this past week, which helped lift my spirits because last Wednesday, January 11th, 2023, I woke up with a flu fever, sore throat, and laryngitis, no voice at all. And that's why I wasn't here live. But I'm fine now, and tonight I'm going to continue part two of my ongoing animal mutilation investigations with Lost Farms, Inc. in Brookville, Kansas, that began on December 8th, a month ago. The owner is Mark Loss, 59, who farms 200 black Angus and a variety of colored cows in collaboration with his 50-year-old brother, Brent. They are third-generation farmers from Germany and Denmark who have ranched in Kansas the past half-century. Their last name is spelled L-A-A-S and pronounced Loss. Mark Loss had never heard of animal mutilations until his cousin, Mike Jensen, lost one of his black Angus in a mutilation death on November 21, 2021. Mike's was one of three similar but strange cattle mutilations in the Brookville and Gypsum, Kansas region. The new high strangeness has been a thin coating of watery blood on the exposed cheek and jawbones, very different from the dry, bloodless, rectangular excisions like this in animal mutilations investigated by law enforcement for the past 60-some years. This bloodless Caldwell, Kansas steer in 1992 is the more typical cattle mutilation since the 1960s. Adding to the puzzle were two more recent mutilations in central Kansas since 2021 that did not have the watery blood. So the Lost Farms mutilation last month on December 8, 2022, is the third watery blood cattle mutilation and fifth cattle mutilation in total since January of 2021. All five mutilations have been in this central Kansas region that includes the U.S. Army Fort Riley base, the Atlas Missile Site 4, and the towns of Gypsum, Carleton, Brookville, Lincoln, and Delphos, Kansas famous for the UFO landing on November 2, 1971, that left an eight-foot diameter glowing ring in soil that was photographed by Durrell Johnson with his teenage son, Ronald. I first became aware of these ongoing Central Kansas mutilations in November 2021 when Mike Jensen called me from the Gypsum, Kansas, Black Angus farm near the Atlas Missile Site 4. Mike sent me photographs of his November 21, 2021 mutilated cow in which the cow's left jaw excision was rectangular, like so many other domestic and wild animal mutilations since the 1960s, and the tongue was removed deep within the throat like the two other mutilations in Saline County. 
but why was there watery blood on the jaw bones? Mike also sent me this photograph from nearby rancher Beverly Fullen, six miles southwest of Gypsum, Kansas. She found one of her black Angus dead with a rectangular excision of hide from the right cheek and jawbone and right eye missing on May 7, 2022, six months after Mike Jensen's similar mutilation. And there again was the watery blood on the jawbones. And then, six months after the Fullen mutilation, came the Lost Farms, Inc. strange black cow death on December 8, 2022. There again was the rectangular excision of hide from the left cheek and jawbones covered with watery blood. Here again are the three watery blood mutilations side by side. Their exposed white cheek and jawbones look as if watery blood was painted on them after the mysterious rectangular excisions of hide were removed. Here is another mystery that Mike Jensen found in his pasture where his mutilated cow was found on November 21, 2021. This is one of three bare soil patches that he found where grass was pulled out of the ground and the surface soil was loosened as if it had been lifted and turned over. Mike wanted to see what those bare spots looked like from above the pasture. What gave you the idea to get drones to go over the pasture where your mutilated cow was? And that was November 21st, 2021, when you found her. It started actually with you, Linda. I talked to you, and you said you'd like to have some overview pictures of where my cow was mutilated. So I went out with my pickup to get out to take some pictures. Right at the tail end of my pickup, where I stopped, no grass, no nothing, right behind my pickup. This is weird. I took some pictures of that. And as I was walking around, I found another one. You mean where the grass is completely removed in a very rough way to the soil? Correct. The grass was completely removed from the top inch or two, and the soil was churned like it had been dug up a little bit. So I went and got some posts and stuck in the ground at each one of these three spots that the grass was completely gone and the ground was churned up into a triangle. And when I did that, I noticed that where the cow was, these three spots centered up over the cow. So I called the extension office in Sling County and talked to them. And they've got a lady that does drone work. And she come out and I put some white feed sacks in each one of the places. That's when we took the pictures with the drone. You were then from the drone seeing three white points that formed a triangle. Correct. The triangle's set right over the cow. What is it about this area of Brookville and Gypsum and Carlton and between Fort Riley and the missile site and Delphos? It is an area where there have been now, between 2021 and 2022, five different animal mutilations, and each one seems to be echoing the others. It is very strange. How could all three of these be related? But they are. When I found my cow, I was there fresh enough in front of her nose on the ground 
there was a pool of watery blood that I took a straw of grass and stirred it, and it never coagulated like normal blood does. It just stayed watery. For the lab to not be able to figure out why or what, there's something unknown to man going on. Right. And the cause of death on their final pathology necropsy report, cause of death unknown, and still no answers. And still no answers. That's correct. On Monday, January 9th, 2023, I was able to interview Dr. Brandon Lee Plattner, Ph.D., veterinarian pathologist at the Kansas State Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory in Manhattan, Kansas. He graduated with his Doctor of Veterinary Medicine in 2002, and then in 2005 to 2010, he went on to Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa, to earn his PhD in veterinarian immunology and pathology. And you have been working about 20 years as a veterinarian and then a veterinarian pathologist. And in those 20 years, have you ever seen one of these mutilated cows before? I have not, no. I've never had experience working with such a case. Brent Loss said that the last that he saw this black cow was in the afternoon of December 7th. I got a call on December 8th at approximately 10.30 in the morning. Brent and his daughter found this same black cow that he had seen the afternoon before. That would be 19 and a half hours. It was cold. The first thing that struck Brent not only was the cow lying there dead, but seemed to be extremely bloated. I would agree with his assessment there. Yes, when she got here, I said to Mark, she looked very bloated. She looked like she's been dead for a day or two or three or more. I was on the phone with them and with you. On the 8th. That's right. And in the afternoon, my notes are at 4 p.m. in Kansas, Brent and Mark Loss, the owners of the Loss Farms, Inc., were going to drive to the Kansas State Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory. And I understood they got there somewhere after 5 p.m. Yeah, probably 5.30 or 6 on the 8th. So it definitely has not been dead even 24 hours. That's clear. Yeah. Those tissues degrade very quickly. and So if we don't get those carcasses quickly, we're often very handicapped with our ability to make a definitive diagnosis. Brent said, when we lifted her body up into the truck using a crane, Out of the cow fell gallons of watery blood. And he said he had never seen anything quite like that before. And then when they got to you at the diagnostic laboratory, they also were dealing with a lot of this watery blood that was coming out as they were trying to move the cow, I guess, into where you wanted to examine. Yeah. What would make watery blood in such a short time after death. To address your question of what makes blood watery, there's a number of things. Could that indicate some potential exposure of a toxin like an anticoagulant? Possibly. The other thing with watery blood is this disease that causes anemia. 
called anaplasma. We did test for that. She was positive. And what is the cause and effect between what you found and the watery blood? I think you're asking a great question. I'm not able to give you a really definitive answer for that because of the factors that go into how that changes after death. From Brent and Mark Loss's point of view, she was a healthy cow. Sure. You guys found that she was, in fact, pregnant. Yeah. So we're assuming that she had no evidence of disease before this, which then leads to, I'm holding your finalized report on December 22nd, 2022. And on page six of nine, and there is a very long list, two pages, and none of us understand what any of those are. <laughs> yeah. Did you find anything that might have been suspicious as something that could have caused the watery blood? That's a great question, and I'm laughing because I don't understand that list either. So first of all, I'm not a toxicologist. I don't know what many of these chemicals are on here. In fact, the toxicologist may not either. So this test, this is a GCMS, gas chromatography mass spectrometry. It is not, first of all, a screen of all potential toxins. It is a test that is designed to look into a tissue, and we typically will use the liver because it's such a highly metabolically active organ, it will look in that tissue and detect peaks, amounts of various different chemicals. And so that's what you're seeing, various different chemicals that have been identified in that liver at a peak high enough that would be considered notable. Test is also designed to look specifically at environmental contaminants, particularly Things like herbicides and pesticides, and none of those were found here. The other thing, I spoke actually with our toxicologist this morning after we chatted initially, Linda, and they said to me any of the anticoagulants should have easily been able to be picked out from here, and none of them were identified. So they're pretty confident saying there's no evidence of environmental pesticides, other environmental type of contaminants, and there's no evidence of anticoagulants. So on pages six and seven of the final report, this long list of all of these tox results, all of them were in this mutilated cow's liver, but none of them are specifically blood thinners. That would be our interpretation. Yes, ma'am. What was the most unusual aspect on the lost farm cow that was brought to you? Well, two things. The most unusual, I would say, is the shape of the wound on the animal's head. I've not seen that before. Without question, that was the most unusual aspect of this. Right. I think the other unusual thing, this animal had inflammation in the brain. That's a whole other dilemma. Quoting from the final report, the cheek and tongue missing, edges appear to be cut, but no knife marks seen. It was an extremely smooth excision of the cheek and the jaw hide area exposing this rectangular cut that exposed the bones that had the watery blood on them, which is unusual. Yeah. And it was the smoothness that is typical of the last 60-some years of animal mutilations reported around the world. The excisions 
are often this, what we call a 90-degree rectangular cut, where it exposes the upper and the lower jaws. And that would explain why he said, appear to be cut, because something took away that tissue, but there are no knife cuts. There's no evidence of what was the instrument that was used to so precisely excise the cheek and the jaw flesh, plus the tongue was removed at the larynx area of the throat, as I understand. Exactly, yes. And how difficult would it be for anyone to get an entire cow tongue out of the throat all the way down to the larynx and completely removed without blood everywhere on the animal on the ground. And you don't see the amount of blood that you would have expected. It might depend on when that tissue was removed. Was it immediately after death? Was it a little while after death? You know how well the postmortem clots have formed. I will say, and we've got photographs, when we opened up the neck area there between the mandibles as we cut down, kind of evaluated the larynx where the tongue was severed from. But I do agree with you, that's a lot of tissue gone. I've never seen anything quite like that before. That shape is definitely different than something I've ever seen. I don't have an explanation for that. There's nothing that we found on this animal would explain that. And I'm totally with you there. I don't know. I think it's unusual, definitely. After receiving Dr. Plattner's report about the mutilated black Angus on the Lost Farm, Inc. in Brookville, I called Mark. Since animal mutilations have been linked to UFOs, extraterrestrial biological entities, and advanced technologies since at least the early 1960s on planet Earth, and we're talking in the end of December of 2022, And there have been literally thousands of mutilated animals around this planet over many decades. And now you are personally experiencing this. And I wonder what goes through your mind when you look at the photographs of that black cow. And do you ponder if it is extraterrestrial biological entities that are mutilating animals and have been doing it for decades, perhaps centuries? Why? I don't know what to think, Linda. Obviously, like the pathologist in Manhattan said, it's unusual. I don't have words for it. I don't have an explanation for it, but I agree with that pathologist. It's something unusual. It's something that I have not run into. It's certainly unusual that there's three separate incidences now in our county that this has happened. And virtually all three of them are identical. There's two more. There's been five in two years, the bull and that other cow. Yes, yes, there is. The three specifically in Saline County are pretty much mirror-like. Yeah. The other one in Dickinson County was the penis, the testicles was gone. And then also the one up in Lincoln County, there was a sizable amount of material, hair and hide, gone off of the underbelly, and also the udder is gone. Kind of two different scenarios. The ones in Sling County, mirrors, and the other ones are just a little bit different. Mirrors of same excisions, 
or differences in excisions over these past 60 some years with or without blood over the past 60 some years. There have also been questions about bare spots or flattened circles in pasture grass that as if something had put a pattern down in the area of where there have been animal mutilations, but they couldn't figure out what or why. And sometimes when I remember back to uh, traveling to so many ranches when I was working on a strange harvest at the CBS station in Denver and hearing a rancher who would say, I found some bare soil, I don't know why, and there might be another one over here. And it looks like someone has marked my pasture, which is what Mike uh, yeah, Jensen has experienced. All echoes through these six decades of the similarities and the one common denominator from my point of view of having started a deep investigation into this in 1979 and the evolution to this day. Always there have been reports of strange lights in the sky, beams coming out of lights in the sky, ranchers who have actually seen one of their animals go up in a beam of light or come down in a beam of light. That has always been one of the backdrops to this mystery of bloodlessly mutilated or now watery blood mutilated animals. And as I was putting this report together now in the beginning of 2023, something kept echoing in my mind that all of these ingredients I had encountered in an interview that I did in a pasture in which there was the not fresh, fresh body, but uh, the sort of uh, maybe a couple of weeks old body of a mutilated animal. And the sheriff, George Arnell, was talking to me and the crew about the scariest night that he thought that he'd ever had, and he was one brave guy. They had been getting these reports, not only of animal mutilations, this were going back into the early 70s, but people were saying that they were seeing lights or craft or something in the sky. And so Sheriff George Arnell uh, got permission to get a small private airplane. And he went up with a, uh, there was a deputy and a pilot. And they uh, got permission specifically to get to a certain place where there had been more than one mutilation over a period of time. Another one of these areas where there were pastures and there had been multiple mutilations. And that's what they wanted to fly over. Not that they knew of any on the ground or anywhere at the time, but here's what happened. So they're flying in this area where there have been mutilations and they are doing so because farmers have said at that time, around 73 to 74, they had been seeing these lights. And they had on radio sets so they could talk to each other in the noisy plane. And Sheriff, uh, George Arnell was sitting in the back left, as he told me, looking out the window, and the deputy and the pilot were in the front. And all of a sudden, the sheriff said, I couldn't believe it. 
I had been able to look out. I could see lights in the very distance. It's in the Elizabeth in Colorado Springs area in Colorado. And I had seen lights and suddenly there were no lights. I could see nothing. And I realized that the nothing was black and that the nothing black was circular. And Linda, it was right under our small plane. He radioed to the pilot, look down, look down. We have something right under our plane. And the pilot said, I'm going to break off of our pattern. I'm going to try to land and took the sheriff and the deputy in the plane off in a different direction. The black round object that they all saw that was right under their plane did not travel with them. It stayed wherever it was. And when they landed, George Arnell said, anybody who tries to tell me that there are no UFOs associated with animal mutilations, I will tell them, come to me and I'll tell you about the scariest night of my life. And he told the crew and I that when we were working with him in 79 to 80. So on that note, tying the last 60 some years up to today and knowing that there have been other articles that have been making the news, raising questions about why are there uh, uh, mutilations in Oregon, Washington, other places, which suggests to me that we're in another period where as this summer comes on into the fall, we might be in another one of those years where they are reported in many places without a clear answer of why. In my book, An Alien Harvest, and also in Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness, I speculated in both of those books that based on interviews with people in the abduction syndrome, ranchers, and a variety of people, that I had come to the conclusion that there were at least two roles that the animal mutilations of our planet have been serving. One is a sustenance, which is an intake for energy and food, and that the other is genetic. Genetic harvesting, people in the abduction syndrome say that they have had telepathic communication with beings who say that they are involved even now with genetic manipulation on the planet and that what would be harvested from animals around the entire world would be related to that, sustenance and genetic manipulation. And if all of you agree with me that we should be having straightforward discussions and reports about animal mutilations and that they shouldn't be put over behind a door, behind a basement, behind always, no one is to talk about it, no one is to see even these photographs, which are really not tremendously, uh, I don't think, are not tremendously dramatic, but they show the similarity in the pattern. I'm open to hear from all of you about if you feel like that this report 
And when you put it in the context of going all the way back to Sheriff George Arnell, basically dealing with many of the same issues, and that for 60 some years, this has been at least partly public, and now we are in a new century, and we would all like to have the big lie that we're alone in the universe cracked open, and the truth that we're not alone in this universe, and that there might be interaction with intelligences for reasons that if it were all explained to us, we might begin to understand, we might even have some generous idea of if there are beings that need to do X, why can't we be told and why can't we all be in on why Earth has to be part of whatever these harvests are. So it's in that context that I have done these part one and part two. And I would like to know if you think you would like to know more when there are mutilations or is it a subject that is just so difficult that it is one of the reasons why it isn't reported on a regular basis, even though I think animal mutilations go on around this planet on a pretty regular basis, changing latitude, longitudes, as if there is a grid to the planet, like why the triangular pattern in Mike Jensen's pasture, why were there uh, patterns also down in Elbert County when George Arnell was sheriff, Tex Graves, and those patterns might relate to the placement of a circle of downed wheat or uh, patterns in a crop field. And they would be just as confusing as the three bare spots in a triangular pattern are to Mike Jensen. I found the exact same uh, kind of discussion uh, with some of the RCMP in Canada and other places that I have gone and talked with law enforcement, usually off the record, the only way that they would talk, about these strange patterns of like bare ground or circles that show up in areas where there are mutilations. And I've always wondered, is it because our planet is interacted with by advanced intelligences as if they have a grid to everything that they're doing and that they return in and out of similar latitude and longitudes for different phenomena and applications. So from the ground to out looking at the whole earth, it's all part of trying to understand this mystery of at least six decades, animal mutilations on planet Earth, bloodless or watery blood, and that the issue of other intelligences doing this, the who, the what, and the why, we still need to be told facts and the truth. All right, I'm going to transition now over to my dear colleague, Ian Holling in England. And <laughs> I know I should explain uh, that my badger-sized chocolate had to, because he was matting, had to get a lion cut, which he usually would get in the spring. And uh, 
he has decided tonight that he's going to be here and <laughs> refresh himself, and I'm just going to let him be there. So, all right, Ian. Linda, thank you for that fantastic report. And we've got a lot of uh, response from our viewers this evening. We've got a lot of questions and comments to go through. But before we do that, I'd like to first congratulate you, Linda, on behalf of all of the EFR's team and all of the other viewers around the world on completing another revolution around the sun. So happy birthday, Linda, for Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, my 81st revolution around the sun, and I would love 181 more, especially if I could go out in a space force and do what I love to do, which is uh, keep investigating and reporting about other solar systems, other life forms, what is the truth of this universe in terms of why is it conscious and what is our relationship to it? I hope that whatever is the next frequency that I go to, that I, that's what I will be doing. <laughs> There's nothing more that I love than the, the work that I'm doing now. So may this go on uh, for quite a long, lot longer, but at some point when I go to another dimension, just think of me as doing what I do now, but going to other solar systems and other galaxies, trying to understand and report to some other audience that exists. <laughs> that's, that's my sort of pipe dream. Okay, Linda, let's get straight into these questions and comments. Uh, Linda, can you address the, um, the observation that perhaps a lot of the mutilations take place on the left-hand side of the, uh, of the face of the cattle or the animal that's being mutilated? Uh, I would say that of the animals that I have seen, which were hundreds actually in terms of both physical on the ground and photographs and recordings, I've really seen a lot of them. And I do not think that the history, if you take the whole 60 years, uh, I do not think that it favors a right side or a left side. Uh, in fact, that would explain why most of the sheriffs and the deputies that I talk to always refer to the sky facing side. So they were used to looking for an animal that was on one side or another, but I don't think that right or left ever dominated more than another. Okay, is this, this is from Mark Harrison, is the flap of skin removed from the animals ever found? To my knowledge, and I'm thinking of my own first walking across pastures with formal and solution and a scalpel or scissors to collect tissue to get back to Dr. Altshuler in Denver. And so I was always very aware of what had happened to the animal and always looking around the ground. I do not recall a single time of my first person experience of finding any tissue of any kind on the ground where the animal was that I would go to gather tissue informal and to get back to Dr. Altshuler. Not once. I, I cannot think of anything that's coming to mind where a rancher said, 
that they specifically found the cheek is up the jaw line that they make that distinction even though we would say the whole thing was the jaw um, there have been instances where there has been fluid and maybe a little tissue on the ground but the whole idea that the actual clean perfect excision would be found on the it's never happened to my knowledge if there's anybody listening who has investigated and has found something like that let me know but I would say what has always dominated the animal mutilation mystery right from the beginning has been lack of tracks around the animal's body even in dry dust including the animal's own hoof prints are not there that's why law enforcement very early on sheriff tex graves was one of the first who said whatever's doing this they're coming from above and they're taking the animal and they're doing the excision and they're taking them back to the place where it's reported that would explain why there were no tracks um, the excisions being the same throughout all of these years of my seeing that rectangular cut so often if you saw let's say that it was a scalpel and that it was like this a rectangle taken on one side and if it were left on the ground it would be absolutely clear I can think of being uh, with law enforcement in Colorado Springs where um, my crew and I followed a deputy sheriff and a deputy in through uh, thick willows and as the crew the cameraman the, sh the sheriff's deputies as we move through these thick willows and they knew that under the tree that we were going to was this mutilated animal this is uh, showing us for the first time and when we got through the thick willows that we had to push through the branches of the tree came right down into the willows it was like a wall of branches and we had to push hard to get through those now we're under this big big tree that is above all the willows in this pasture and here was a steer uh, that had the it was on the right side so the left side was facing the sky under the tree and it had the ear in a perfect circle it's in my uh, film a strange harvest it's a it's one of those memorable scenes where law enforcement is taking me the reporter and the producer with the crew we haven't seen we what you see us discover is exactly how we discovered with the deputies and the circle of flesh uh, a perfect circle three inches in diameter in which the left eye it's the eyelids eyelashes everything is gone in that perfect circle right to clean bone no blood anywhere uh, the genitals had been removed in a very clean uh, oval not any fluid completely dry uh, the rectal tissue had been removed and the deputies said to the crew and to me what stands out here to you? I remember being asked that. 
And what hit me was, this is a big animal, heavy. Above us, we can see nothing. We were crouched down. We just branches, tree branches. And so I said, if this animal had dropped straight down to where it is now through this tree, we should see broken branches. And that's when the deputy said, exactly. That's what bothers us about this. How did this cow with these excisions get here under this tree, through those willows, cross that pasture, in this position that it is lying with the excisions that have, and look how hard it has been for us to just get through uh, the willows in under the tree to this site. And those are part of the kind of the whole backdrop of why, going all the way back to the 1960s, that when animal mutilation started being reported and people were talking about how there's no tracks, there's no blood, the excisions look the same, sometimes there's a circle of flattened pasture grass, sometimes three that make a pattern. What are we dealing with? And this was and has been global around the world since at least the early 1960s. And when people have said to me, how could you do this? How could you possibly take on investigating the eerie, mysterious, dangerous, weird animal mutilations? And I've always felt when I've been asked that, how could I not investigate? So it's my same answer to this day. And now the fact that there are these strange changes in Kansas. What is it about that area that has a missile site, has Fort Riley, that is, has had a historic link to Pine Gap in Australia? Why that particular area of Kansas now associated with these strange watery jaws and the triangle, the, the strange bare places in the uh, Mike Jensen's field. Um, if I say, I think that extraterrestrial biological entities are now and have always been the animal mutilation doers, I do feel that, but you can't say that every single animal death is in that category. They all always have had this complex of these various characteristics that I'm talking about. And when you start studying them, there really isn't gore, it's uh, precision, and it makes you want to work harder and harder to understand who, what, and why. And those questions apply now. Ian? Are you there? Linda, you, I think you've might have addressed part of the second question that I've got here which was about the ranchers finding the cattle skyside and the the um, the actual uh, them being being dropped as it were but they always seem to land or be be positioned or placed skyside up with the mutilations visible oh yes I, if you're asking just simply are the mutilation sides have i ever 
uh, seeing an animal that had the mutilation sides down on the ground. Uh, no, I thought you were asking, was there a dominance of sky facing left yeah, side or two, right side? Yeah, it was side? a two part question. Yeah. The, the first yeah. question was that about whether or not it was predominantly the left side. And yeah. you mentioned that the ranchers refer to it as sky side, but it's also that when the animal is found in, and it's uh, where it's no, landed it, or being yeah. dropped or placed, the excisions are the mutilations up. visible. Yeah, the excisions are almost always up. They're, they're the sky facing. So you see them, not they're not hidden by lying on the ground, the excisions. So they're sky facing and the sky facing shows the excisions. Stacy F wonders if there's an interest in the visual cortex of cattle as well. I don't know. I don't know. You asked if the audience were interested in hearing more about the mutilations, Linda. Yeah. If you'd like, we can ask the Earthfires support team to run a poll in the yeah. chat and see if people want to um, vote on it. Yeah, I, I would be very interested in if you feel that this has been uh, worth the time and effort to get this view in current animal mutilations as they echo or don't echo from history. Um, and whether or not you have any real, I guess, trouble just seeing as much as what I have shown, whereas I find it uh, fascinating to study. And so those are the two links, fascinating to study or bother you? Well, we're running the poll right now. Okay. It is currently leading with yes, people do want you to do more reporting on animal mutilations. That's leading by 85%. And, wow. uh, and so we're running that at the moment. People can vote on that as we go. Okay. And that everybody pretty much is agreeing that tonight was not too much for you. Well, yeah, we would have to ask that in a separate poll. But tonight. I think people are interested in hearing more about animal mutilations as well. So that's that's good. We're getting the results coming in as we speak. Good. Okay, Linda. Um, have there ever been any reports of animal mutilations in New York or New York State? I suppose it's in most states in the United States have reported animal mutilations. Yes, I think it is almost every single state and province of Canada now uh, in my uh, first book, An Alien Harvest, I have a map, both of the world and of uh, Canada and the United States, where I did color codes based on actual mutilation reports that I was able to read and write down dates in a variety of sheriff's offices. And so it's a color-coded map of when they started and where they uh, went across the United States and Canada. And the I know that uh, when I lived in Philadelphia, uh, there was a case that was at least reported. Um, I never was involved in the investigation, but there was a, a report. And I think that it was a deer. Uh, and so it, it isn't just cattle at all. It is a wide variety of wild game and domestic animals. And I personally today, I don't know if there is any state left where there has not been some kind of bloodless mutilation in these categories reported. And I know the, the provinces of Canada the same. 
Thank you. Let's go to the super chats now. Thank you very much, everyone, for your kind, generous, generous uh, donations tonight. We're leading with Moonbird, Yin Yang Glow, <laughs> Terry D, Stephen Mason, Whisper of Love, Lubna Azad, Christina Ledesma Jimenez, Zombie Lover, Judy Graham, Goldie Olvido Barroa, She-Hawk, Rebecca Cole. Thank you, everyone. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate your support. And uh, let's keep going on that subscriber button and the like button and the share button uh, so we can keep growing. I really, really appreciate all of your support. Thank you. Uh, we've got some questions here. Um, Ains Auditor says, one thing I noticed about the list of animals is that they're all mammals. Are there cases of anything happening to fish, etc.? And someone says, can you explain to us why we haven't found any reptiles' bodies? Well, we did have the case, didn't we, of the yes. two out-of-place reptiles that were found in a mutilated condition yes. in the United Kingdom in, I think, 2016. That's right. Where there's a snake and a monitor lizard. But I think there have been others. And as well, the question says, has anything happened to fish or sea mammals? And I think you've reported on that as well previously. I think that there have been, back in 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in there, I think there were some mysterious deaths of sharks one time and I think porpoises in another, not proved. That's the issue. Nothing was proved and uh, there was no real uh, laboratory public report about what was studied. But I thought that the implication of those reports somewhere back uh, about 10 years ago could have been marine animals also now included in animal mutilations. But over time, over the 60 years, the concentration has been in cattle, horses. Uh, horses were the first that I know of reported in North America. So cattle and horses, and then think of every domestic animal from pigs to sheep to goats to rabbits, uh, wild game foxes, uh, badger, marmot, uh, up through elk and deer and reindeer. There is a large variety, but really not much in the marine side that is evidenced and provable, if, if that if makes sense to you. The others on land, investigated, photographed, all of that. The ones from the water, uh, not quite so clear exactly what happened, but truly strange. Okay. Okay. Chris Corker says the question to ask is what do the cheeks have that other f areas of the flesh do not? And Voivy says cheek cells contain basal mucosa and are composed of squamous epithelial cells. These structures, commonly thought of as cheek cells, divide approximately every 24 hours. Yes, and I remember talking with a, a medical uh, laboratory. Uh, person in genetics, and I think it was the University of Colorado Medical Center, and I took some photos, and I was asking if this is a genetic harvest, is there anything about the ear, the eye, the tongue, the jaw, the genitals, the rectum, that would be a pattern that you would expect if somebody were doing a sophisticated genetic harvest 
for reasons unknown, but having to do perhaps with investigating life on Earth. And it was interesting that the answer that I got from that genetic uh, researcher then, that was back in 79 to 80, was that no, those would not be the um, biological cell areas that they would want to study. And as I recall, it's going back a while, 79 to 80, but I think that one of the um, answers that was given to me is that they would like pancreas cells that were large. So they had completely different reasons for why they would want certain genetic material back then when I was working on a strange harvest to study genetic material as opposed to now uh, with CU, I was not postulating that extraterrestrials were involved. I just wanted to know if they were geneticists and they were taking ear, eye, tongue, jaw, genitals, and rectal tissue, would that make sense for any kind of a genetic study? And the fact that they said no, that they were looking for something else, that was the category of pure medicine. At the same time, I had people in the abduction syndrome that I was interviewing who were saying that they knew or they had been telepathically told or they had been shown in a craft that the reason for the mutilations was genetic harvesting for genetic projects that the ETs were doing. Those two, pure medicine and abductions, there was information coming from both of those sides all the way back when I started in A Strange Harvest. And today, I don't think it is any more clear, even if it is definitely ETs and if it is definitely for a harvest of genetic material, what exactly is it being applied for? The creation of hybrids, the creation of new life forms that are created on this laboratory Earth and then taken to another solar system, another place far away in the Milky Way galaxy or beyond. All of that is possible. Okay, Ian. Okay, I think that that's, that's the, the crux of it. But you've, you mentioned that there are probably at least two different reasons, maybe the blood for the sustenance or parts for the sustenance, but also parts for uh, genetic. genetic material and the harvesting, etc. One of the questions was, why don't the uh, aliens create their own herds of, of cattle and work on them separately? Well, they might do that anyway, I suppose. But, uh, but I think that there tends to be perhaps an environmental factor. I, in fact, I was reading one of your earlier works, Linda, where you even brought that up as an environmental factor that may be being uh, studied and worked on as well. We don't have a box big enough in our mind and experiential lives as Homo sapiens sapiens on this earth to start thinking, well, it's possible that this is solar system grid, that whatever is going on in the earth could be a part of a gigantic genetic experiment, uh, any kind of an experiment by very advanced beings, and that the if we knew the truth, that what is happening on Earth is echoed out in other solar systems and overseen by, let's say, the tall whites for reasons that are not clear. So the fact that you're in a pasture and there is a cow or a horse lying with the same patterns of excisions 
the more you do this, the more you do investigations and you're always seeing the same patterns of excisions, then it hits you that whatever the quantity is, it might be being harvested for some huge experiment that could involve other parts of this galaxy or the universe. And one of the things that I would love to have this truth crack open, that we're not alone in this universe and other intelligences interact with this planet uh, all the time, that how exciting it would be to begin to be able to have honest dialogues with scientists about the implications of all of this. What does it mean if we are in fact a genetic experiment that has been being monitored for at least 45,000 years in its current form and that the animal mutilations may have something to do with specific harvests from planet Earth that are applied to the creation of hybrids, the creation of cyborgs, the creation of who knows what, leaving the issue, is planet Earth, the laboratory, the most important part, more important than whatever they make here? And you can go on and on and on with these questions. I would like to feel that we could keep going on with the Earth Files YouTube channel after we get the headline, oh, the web has confirmed biological signatures in the fourth planet of TRAPPIST-1. At last, we know that there are other life forms in the universe. And then we build from there into all of these questions that we have tonight. Okay, Ian. Okay, uh, Miss Anonymous 617 says, do the cattle, the, the cattle that are found and left behind, do they normally get that bloated? Is that normal? It just seems abnormally large stomachs. And a guy says, how is a cow severely bloated if only dead for one day? And I know we've also seen in Oregon, they seem to be deflated as well. The bloating, the excessive bloating was one of the very first characteristics that I remember talking with a rancher about um, right, like right at the beginning of my research in Denver. The first person I went and did an in-depth interview with was Sheriff Tex Graves. But I also uh, was talking with ranchers that he recommended and others. And I remember in those early days that one of the things that the ranchers stressed, my cow is so bloated, it looks like it's going to explode, but it was alive last night or it was alive in the morning. I heard a lot of discussions like that. Dr. Plattner uh, was trying to explain about the bloat that it could be that the breakdown of certain chemistries in the body that we don't understand what the animal was exposed to, that something could be happening that has accelerated the breakdown of tissue. And if breakdown of tissue is accelerated, that could inspire bloat. But that has been one of the characteristics that ranchers noted all the way back before I even started in 79, bloat extreme bloat. Go ahead. Linda, this is another uh, aspect of the phenomena that, that uh, has cropped up before. People are saying, is it 
the, the rancher sometimes says that it was the, the best cattle or the best head of cattle that were taken and and uh, and found mutilated. Can you confirm that, please? Yes, I would say that that was a theme, but not universal. Um, again, like so many things, you could say that maybe uh, out of 20 mutilations that I went out on, that maybe eight or 10 of them said, this is my best animal. Others uh, would not. It would be an animal that was very young or an animal that was very old or um, an animal where there had been some problem birthing. So I remember that where I'm always looking for something that remains consistent as a characteristic that this is another one of those areas. My best animal, yes, I heard that. But you could also hear weakest or youngest or others. So whatever the big picture is, if it's a non-human intelligence using planet Earth uh, to mix and match genes to create whatever it is that they're doing, it may be that best or worst or youngest or oldest have no bearing on what it is that they are harvesting for whatever they're doing. We just don't know enough in terms of proven fact. Yeah, go ahead. Stacy F says, uh, does Linda think there's any correlation with prion disease and animal mutilations? And I think this is covered as well by Fufi Astral Punk who says, I'm interested in the connection between mad cow disease in the US being hidden, prions in cattle, nature and mutilated cattle. Can you address this, please? I have the same question. Had it when uh, the crop formations, when we were going uh, from 92, 3, uh, I was going to England every year from about 92 on for almost a decade. And it was during that period of time. Remember, Ian, when uh, the mad cow disease started in England? It was somewhere around the early 90s as well. And uh, I ask uh, a veterinarian who would not go on the record, who would not make any official statement. I said, do you think that there's any possibility that the prion disease, the mad cow disease, could be either a sidebar to the interaction of extraterrestrials with animals around the planet, especially cattle and horses, meaning they're doing something, they interact, they collect. Could a sidebar of their actions, but not their intent, be prion disease? Could it be an accident? Could it be a sidebar of what they're doing? And I remember that veterinarian basically saying, well, I suppose you could say anything like that is possible, but how would we prove it? We are dealing on a planet in which the big lie is we're still alone in the universe. It's preposterous. So I, I don't know. And I don't know anybody in the civilian world who does know but I would imagine that there are agencies and labs on our planet who do know, and maybe someday we'll all get some factual answers. Okay, Ian. 
Okay, Ms. Anonymous and Olinda Paul are talking about the carcasses that are found. Uh, Olinda Paul says, I noticed there were never any ants or bugs on these animals. The bodies must be really toxic if birds, ants, etc. won't alight on them. Yeah. Uh, curious as well how, to, how the bodies are then disposed of. Ms. Anonymous says they don't decompose or, or get picked apart by vultures. Something is repelling them. Uh, I can say from experience that I have been at many, many, many animal mutilation, whether it was a cow or a horse especially, flies everywhere. So the idea that insects stay completely away from the mutilated bodies, that's not true. But there have been cases where uh, and th this is maybe one of the more dramatic that I saw, but it, but it fits into this idea. Uh, I have gone to a mutilation site to collect tissue. And the rancher had gone off to get something to come back to where I was. I there's a mutilated animal. It's relatively fresh. Uh, I think it was here uh, in uh, La Vida, New Mexico, or some someplace up, like maybe in, in Vegas, uh, New Mexico. And so I'm doing my excision work on the fresh mutilation. The rancher has gone off. He's going to be coming back, but I just happened to look out, and there was, without question, a coyote that is running right toward where we are and the I remember I got up and I started backing away thinking well this is going to be something if this coyote attacks or does anything to this mutilated animal and I back away and the coyote comes and stops like it hits a glass wall this is reinforcing part of the question Ranchers have said that they have seen coyotes or wolves or bears come up to a relatively fresh carcass that is a mutilation and do a circle around it, staying out 8 or 12 feet. What is that that stops a natural predator? I don't have an answer. I've seen it myself in that case in uh, New Mexico. This goes back probably to 93, 94. Um, but insects, like flies, will definitely wasps, will definitely be on the bodies. So again, even though we study it, and I have been there physically collecting materials for going all the way back to 79 and 80, and working with uh, Dr. John Altshuler in Denver on the pathology side, for every issue that you see repeated and you think may be an insight, you will find another case that it isn't there. And so it's complex. And there probably is something, if it is true, that beams of light are used to neutralize gravity, lift up animals, and that they are taken into a craft where the excisions are done very quickly and then the animal is lowered to the ground, which is what a lot of people who have been involved in abductions think happens. Then there might be something about those frequencies going in and out of this beam that when they do go to the ground, 
that larger animals like the coyotes and the wolves, they hit something and they don't, they just go in a circle. Whereas the insects, the bees and the ants and the flies react differently to different frequencies and they will definitely be on these bodies. So as usual, there is not any one single definitive answer. I would love evidentiary proof for every facet that I could possibly bring here. But that is the big mystery. It's multifaceted. It is a hall of mirrors with a quicksand floor. It's what makes me want to get up in the morning and keep finding out more and more and more information. And I'm so glad so many of you like to join me here on Wednesdays. And we'll keep going and let's hope that in the spring that we are finally going to get a break, if it's coming through web or however, that we are not the only life forms. That doesn't mean intelligence, it means life forms. And then when, when will we be introduced to other intelligences that interact with our planet, harvest from our planet, base on our planet, use our planet. And it's not true that we're alone in this universe. I thank you all for being here tonight and I look forward to being back with you next Wednesday.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Earth Files.